0: it's uh I haven't heard that you know a sermon like that in a long time, and um, it's really brave to to preach on a sermon like this and um, and I got to tell you it's, it' it's amazing to think about um, the culture in which we live and the, the things that have now become controversial subjects to talk about within the church and, I, and not all the comments were positive, they were all good. I really appreciated them. Um, and you'll understand what I'm talking about once I get into this. I'm going to read from uh, Proverbs. I'm going to read chapter 7 completely. I'm going to read the whole chapter of Proverbs, chapter 7. So if you want to look at that, um, I think it will be up on the screen, correct? Will it be? No? Um, it's, it's okay. They can. They, if it's not, it's totally fine. Um, there are some Bibles back there, too, on the table. If you ever come in and you forget your Bible or, you know, usually have it on your phone or whatever, it's totally fine as well. But I'm going to read chapter 7, and I want you, I want you to think about the song that we just sang, Word of God Speak. You know, we sing songs, and we just, you know, we're into it, and our hearts are pouring out, Word of God Speak. And I was thinking about that, I was, I was singing that song, and, and thinking, do we really want the word of God to speak to us. And when it does, will we accept it? And so with that in mind, I'm going to read Proverbs chapter, chapter seven. And, I, and obviously this is written, um, it's a, story, a little bit of a story, but I want you to apply it where, where you are in your life, male, female, it doesn't matter. Apply this to your life. Apply, apply the principle to your life and sometimes how you find yourself in difficult situations. Proverbs chapter seven says, my son... Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple... I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the darkness of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She was unruly and defiant. Her, Her feet never stayed at home. Now in the streets, now in the squares, now in the corner she lurks. She took him, she took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, today I fulfill my vows. I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply in love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and he will not be ba- come home until full moon. With, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now, then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down Her uh, her slain are the mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chamber of death. Now, I want you to take that thought, though, and I want you to put it, whether it's, you know, uh, son or daughter, and the situations can be different. But the idea there is that there's temptation. There's that there's that struggle that everyone seems to face. This morning, we're going to continue our series, Forgotten Virtues. And I want to talk about a subject that is that is on the mind of almost every person in our country and or in the world, really, and has consumed our culture. This whole idea of sexual purity has consumed our culture or just sexuality has consumed our, our culture. We hear so much about how we are progressive, how we've progressed as a society. We're so proud of our advancement in technology and, and science and medicine. And we should be. We should be excited about that. And all the advancements that we see when we talk about the progression, the progression of our society but what we fail to talk about is areas of our culture where we have regressed where i believe we have fallen short all kinds of immoral, immorality especially in in the area of sexuality it's amazing how we have promoted and paraded uh, our sexuality around like it's something that we should all as a culture be completely proud of all the things that are going on, all the things that we see, um, all of it. We should just be so proud as a culture of everything that's going on around us. Christians are walking away from their in a sense, their 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 connection with Christ to embrace causes that are clearly, clearly, clearly not biblically based or go in direct confrontation with God. But we get caught up because we don't know the word of God and we hear things and we say, this sounds like a really good thing that I should be a part of. And all of a sudden we get swept up in it, not realizing that what we're getting swept up in is completely against the word of God, completely against what Jesus Christ came and gave his life for. We, 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 we look more and more in our culture like the, the shameless uh, ancient Roman culture. With all the things that were, are, are going on, Christians in the New Testament time, when when Paul was around, when he was writing, Christians in the New Testament were going through some of the same same things that we go through as a culture. Some of the same daily temptations that we face today, they were facing then, and in some cases, and honestly, in most cases, it was even worse. I'm going to read you some things from Paul here, but I want to give you the context that he's talking to uh, the, Thess- the Thessalonians and Thessalonica and he's going through and he's, and he's writing this to them. And in their culture, it was so much like what we're going through today. And again, um, in many cases, it was it was even worse. And it's in that environment that I just described to you that Paul gives us the command that or the commands and the 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 desires that God has on his heart, that we should live holy lives, that we should live pure lives, especially when it comes to the area of sexuality. In First Thessalonians chapter four and verse three, he wrote this. For this is the will of God. Now you say, uh, you know, people ask all the time, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Well, here I'll tell you in no uncertain terms, this is the will of God. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification, as we know, means being set apart, being set apart as something holy. God has when you give your life to Christ, there is sanctification. It's an ongoing process. So as you live your life day to day, you are continually being sanctified, being set apart, becoming more and more. The goal is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So God's will is that we be sanctified. And that is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, if you really want to do a good study, uh, we'll talk about it this morning. We're going to talk about it next week. If you're in high school, please, I don't care if you've never come before, come tonight. And if you've come to to high school group before, um, make sure that anyone who looks like they're in high school, you don't let them out the door without grabbing them and saying, hey, this is my name. Why don't you come tonight? I'll I'll meet you there kind of thing. Because we're going to talk about this in greater detail. Whatever questions you ask, I'm going to try to answer. OK, so this is what God's will. He said that we abstain from sexual immorality. Paul spells out God's will in no uncertain terms. His will is that we be sanctified. His will is that we grow to become more like Jesus Christ. He wants us. He wants each one of us to be set apart in such a way that we we don't think like the world. We don't behave like the world. We don't act like the world. Specifically in this area of purity. He wants us to be different. And I'll tell you, if if you look at the if you look at the culture in general and you look at the Christian culture, I'm not sure. I know there's a difference, but it's becoming more and more blurred, if you will. His instructions uh, about purity would have been in opposition to those who lived in Thessalonica. So Paul comes. He knows the culture. Paul was an expert on the cultures in which he lived. He studied the culture, he understood the culture, he knew what the struggles were in that culture, and he knew this culture. And it was in the context of understanding the the deviant behavior of his culture um, that he speaks and what he speaks is in opposition to the culture. What he speaks here to us, when we read in Proverbs, and we'll read a little bit in Psalms, and what we read here in 1 Thessalonians, what we read is in opposition to our culture. And I would even argue this morning that what he tells us is in opposition to our modern Christian thought and behavior as well. I think we've gotten a little bit lost. I think we've gotten a little bit off track. Let me share an example of a text that um, someone told me about and allowed me to read. They were interacting with a friend who's a Christian. Um, and uh, I guess the person was interested in a relationship with this person, and so they were going back and forth. And he was describing some of the things that he got involved in, and, and there was a kind of like a Christian discussion back and forth. And but as the discussion went on, he wanted to be in a relationship with her, and so they talked. And he asked her, well, if we get in a relationship, you know, why don't we do this and this? And she said, if that's what you're looking for, you can you can pretty much forget it. Um, And his response to that was, well, if you won't give it to me, I'll find someone who will quote. So if you won't give me what I want sexually, I'll just find someone who will. Now, this is a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But what happens so much in our lives is that the culture is putting so much pressure on and people are getting so caught up. And it's almost like if the world is here and I just step over here, well, I'm not as I'm not as bad as this. So therefore, I'm safe. And that's really become our theology, if you will. I'm not as bad as this person, but that's not what Paul's talking about. Go study that verse in greater detail. I won't be able to get into it all this morning and you'll find out that it's a lot deeper than what I'm even laying out here. So here's a here's a young man who's saying, if you don't give me what I want, then I'll go and get it from someone else. And I want you to keep that thought in mind. And I want you, though, as you now put that thought aside just for a second, I want you to reflect on what I'm going to read to you. OK, Ephesians chapter five, verses three through six says this. But among you, listen to every single word very clearly. And then if, again, if you really want to know what the Bible talks, what the Bible says and what the what the standard is for a believer in Jesus Christ when it comes to the area of purity. i want to read this to you. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Go study the word hint or of any kind of impurity, any kind. Or of greed, which is basically, hey, give me what I want or I'll go find somebody else. Because of these because of these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. No one, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So we have in the one case the world saying, whatever, goes. Christians saying, eh, not as bad as them. And and the Bible saying, let there not be a hint, let there not be a hint, foolish talk, coarse joking, all those things. It lays it all out. See, today we're told that people are basically good. You know, well, you know, everybody's basically good and 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 we're basically we're basically good. And since we're basically good and sex is a part of being a human being, then um, then then sex of just about any kind is OK recreationally, because, you know, it's just good people, just good, good hearted people doing whatever, you know, they like each other, whatever else. Nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, any any kind of any kind of sex. It, and, and it can be uh, acceptable uh, as part of our recreational activity in our culture. We're also told it's a fundamental part of our humanity and it's it's biological and we need to fulfill our biological uh, uh Calling or we should not deny ourselves whatever whatever you feel, whatever you're feeling um, in your heart, that we should not deny ourselves those feelings, because if you're feeling it, you know, if you if you feel a certain way, if you have certain urges, then those urges should be fulfilled because we're only human. We're really good at heart. And so, you know, any kind of recreational fulfilling is totally fine as well. And that's pretty much the way the world looks at it. That young man who texted the young woman was having he had that same kind of attitude as a Christian. This is, uh, is something I want to do recreationally. Um, he wasn't even dating her yet. And that's the that's the text he sent her to make sure that if they did date, here's what he was thinking. He wanted to make sure she was on the same page. But the problem is she was reading her Bible. She wasn't on the same page. And so she said, no, if that's the kind of activity you want to be involved in, then you're not going to be, you're not going to be dating me. But his attitude was, hey, sex, casual sex is legitimate recreation. It's a right and it should not be uh, curtailed in any shape or form. Um, it's also uh, where much of our culture Finds its identity and this is some this is so important. You got to think this through Um, So much of our culture's identity is now wrapped up in people's sexuality. They find their identity as a person in their sexuality You know, that's that's the way they define themselves and the idea the idea, once you define yourself a certain way, the idea, and then you have these certain, to you define yourself this way, and here's how I feel, and here are my desires, so the next step is to live out my desires, okay? Because the idea of choosing God over your desires, the idea of choosing, <laughs> it, the idea of choosing God before yourself and before your own pleasure in this culture is completely ludicrous and unrealistic. It really is. I've talked to people, I've talked to people who struggle with everything you can possibly think of. And I'll say to people, I understand that you're feeling this way. I understand that, you know, these are struggles that you face. But really, when it comes to, when it comes to your behavior and living this out, this is something that you and the Lord have to work on. God is the first love of your life. He comes first. Not your feelings, not your urges, not your desires. So you choose God over everything else because Jesus clearly told us that our identity is to be found in him. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Right. We sing it. That's where we find our identity, not in our sexuality. But the idea when I say to people, I understand that that's the way you feel. So here are your, Here's your option. You have to spend time with the Lord Allow them to work on your heart, but your first love is, is Jesus Christ, and you need to be committed to Him first and not behave, not act out on how you feel. Uh, you know, I'm married, but I feel like I like this other person, so I'm. No, your first relationship is here, so you don't act out here. The idea that you choose God over your own desires in our culture, my friends, people look at me like I have two heads. That is completely ludicrous to them. That I would choose God over, the, I, I have, I'm a good person, with I have every right in my desires and I should live out my feelings and my desires. What kind of, I'm a human. The idea that you would choose Jesus Christ over anything that you desire is ludicrous and unrealistic, I'm told. Unrealistic. And that is what our culture says. And that is a culture in which you have to live. People, people in our culture define themselves that way. And then it is so difficult. It is so difficult for them to see beyond that veil. But Jesus is saying, listen, I am I. You find your fulfillment in me. You find your identity in me. And everything else comes after that. Our desires and our feelings should never dictate our identity and should never override Our obedience to God should never override our obedience to God just because Jeff Greer feels something. And but if the word of God says the opposite, it shouldn't. My feeling should never override the word of God. My obedience to God. It's it's the same kind of reasoning that gave rise to the do as you wish kind of no, no, no shame culture of Paul's day. Every form in Thessalonica, every form of sexuality was on display, every one, including pedophilia. It was permitted in Roman culture at that time. So he's dealing with more than we're dealing with now. But every every single form was was there. It was it was all right there. And so he's trying to he's trying to talk within the midst of all of this, this, this progressive sexuality. He's trying to say, hey, I know the culture is moving this direction or is there is already there. But here's how you should live. Here's something interesting. A couple weeks ago, I don't know, was maybe last week, week before I said, I said, sin never stops progressing. And my friends, it doesn't. And our culture is on the same trajectory as that culture, as the ancient Roman culture. You let you you say this is fine and this is fine and this is acceptable and this is acceptable and this is fine. But I'm telling you, it doesn't stop progressing. And the end game here of the enemy is not about adults. I'm not going to get into any further than that. It is not about adults. And it is coming. It's not. It is coming. People say all the time, I want to be on the right side of history. I want to be on the right side of the word of God. Okay, I want to be on the right side of the word of God. I don't want to be responsible for ushering in what is coming. And when it comes, I want to be standing and fighting against it with all of my heart and all of my strength and all of my will, because it is coming. And it is a lot worse than we're dealing with right now. And we as the people of God, Paul is saying we need to stand up and we need to understand that we are God's children and this is how he expects us to live. See, I want to give you a little, there's nothing new under the sun. What was before will happen again, will happen again. There's nothing new under the sun. And those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. And I don't understand sometimes, this is just me personally, I don't understand how we as a culture cannot look back at all these other cultures and see where this, where this ends up. And it's never good. It's never good. It, all, it always ends up with abuse. It always ends up with, in, in situations that most of us right now can't even fathom, but that's where we're going. Paul writes, he writes this, Abstain from sexual immorality. When he, when he, wrote, when he, when he wrote this, He was writing to believers living in, like I said, a very perverse and deviant culture. So so as we're as we're processing through that, we need to understand that that he again understood who he was speaking to and how difficult it would be for them to really grasp this when they were surrounded by people who were doing things that, you know, and and probably putting more pressure on them than our culture puts on us. Now, I have to be honest. I know I know And I knew it when I started this series. I know that some of the things that I'm going to talk about in this series are going to um, go against your personal um, opinions. You may have a different opinion than what I'm I'm speaking. I understand that. And I understood that when I when i chose to do this talk of, of purity it wasn't just like i said in the beginning it's not just a topic where you talk about with high school students and you know your boyfriend or your girlfriend this has taken on a, this is a, from a political standpoint a firestorm cultural standpoint a firestorm but you know what i thought to myself if if, some, if if we don't teach the word of god if we don't read and teach what the word of god says then the only voices that are speaking are voices that are wrong that are not true, that are leading people in the wrong direction, that are harming the people around you that you love. This is that harms. When people don't walk with God and walk within the context of God's word, it harms them. It's not loving. It is not loving to watch a person. If someone's house is on fire, it's not not loving to not bang on their door and say your house is on fire. Even if it's three o'clock in the morning to warn people. We are in a culture that is going down a path that even those who stand staunchly in in, and strong on their position now are going to look back and say, "Um, I, I never saw this coming. I never, never saw this coming. See, we are going to in this series. Maybe. But if the word of God offends, I don't want to offend anyone. But if the word of God offends, I clearly can't do anything about that. Because when the word of God speaks on this subject, it leaves no room for personal interpretation or opinion for the believer in Jesus Christ. For those who don't know Christ, that all the opinions in the world, I mean, all the opinions and interpretations, not of the word, but that you want. But for those of us who are said we are followers of Jesus Christ, who gave our lives to Jesus Christ, the word of God has spoken Word of God speak it has spoken on this subject and there's no room for other people's personal opinions or interpretations of what God has said. If you think that I'm a little off go study it for yourself and you're going to find out that not only am I not off, but I am only here when really we can talk about it on this level and we will tonight and I will talk about more on Sunday next Sunday and I'm open to whatever questions you may have Um, Even you want to you want to email me or or talk to me about it. I'd love to have that conversation with you Here's the thing. God loves us and wants the best for us He really wants us to enjoy our lives He wants us to enjoy every every bit that this world has this world has to offer He created it. He's the one who put it in place. He wants us to enjoy it But we need to understand that there are boundaries when 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 we when it comes to this area of our lives and there are consequences, if you choose to step outside of those boundaries, this this, this discussion should not be about like when we get into discussions like this it's usually the, the questions come up. Well, how far can I go before? Or how can I? And that's the wrong question to ask. It really is. Because you don't want to be, uh, when, when when it comes to this discussion, you don't want to be walking along the edge and asking the question, how close to the edge can I get before I fall off? When it comes to the area of temptation, you want to be as far back from the edge of the cliff as possible. And that's what God is telling us. That's what the Word of God is telling us. This is a minefield. This is dangerous. This is dangerous territory, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you don't want to play that kind of game. God's command is a total separation from all immorality, not just the physical. Remember what we talked about a few minutes ago, when we talked about Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five. Let there not be a hint, a hint, a hint starts in the mind. It is part of your emotional thought process, your feelings. And you have to start here. Everything starts here. And what God is saying is don't walk so close to the edge. A hint, where a hint puts you, is way back. I just go as far back as I can go. A hint, God says, no, go way back here. Don't, don't tiptoe along the edge. It's too dangerous. You can't handle it. No one here is strong enough to walk themselves into a situation. You're not going to be able to handle it. So God is saying, let there not be a hint. the The young man in Proverbs chapter seven put himself right in the heart of the temptation, and he lost the battle before that woman said one word to him or grabbed him brazenly and kissed him, okay? He, was, he had lost before he even got to her. If I know that right over here is an area of temptation, and over here I have a couple things over here that I could kind of, you know, I'd like to go see this over here, but over here I know there's some things I really shouldn't be looking at, whatever else, and I, well, you know what, I'll just keep my head down and turn it away. It's a little way... If I move in that direction, I'm telling you, okay, I've lost the battle before I even get there. And God is saying, don't even go there. Don't even go there. If you know this, this situation, whoever is tempting, don't even go there. Let there not be a hint. Protect your mind. You know, I, we, I told our, our girls when they were growing up, and I tell, we tell Josh this all the time, when we're watching something on television, just normal television, we'll say, turn your eyes, turn your eyes, turn your eyes, turn your eyes, turn your eyes. Turn your eyes. He'll even see things he even gets used to it now and think as things he'll say, should I turn my eyes? Yep. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes. Don't even go there. We need to protect ourselves no matter how old we are. One thing I want to run into to talk about real very quickly, very quickly. You know, when I'm I'm laying this out, um, we think, oh, my gosh, I have to be perfect. You know, let it not be a hint. Well, that's what Paul said. Paul said, I tell you these things so you will not sin. I'm done. See you guys later. Right? No, but he says if anyone does sin, I tell you these things so you will not sin. But reality if anyone does sin we have one who goes to the father in our defense jesus christ the righteous one who's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins but the sins of the whole world the amazing thing about being a christian is that we we have the word of god that lays out let there not be a hint of sexual coarse joking or whatever else and so you but we find ourselves in situations and we get tempted and we fall and what does god say confess your sin right If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Grace is awesome. Grace is amazing. Amazing grace. You know what that means? When I I fall short, God forgives me through Jesus Christ. All I need to do is ask for forgiveness. So I'm not talking about, I'm not sitting here today and saying, here's what the Bible says. Don't you make one false move. If you do, you're right to hell with you. That's not true. That's not true. But what I am saying is when it comes to this area and the Bible is very clear, let there not be a hint. When we choose to step over that line, we shouldn't then say, oh, that's well, I'm fine with that. That's I don't think that's wrong. I don't think I did anything. I I think that's totally that's where we get into trouble when we start justifying our sin, when we start saying, well, I don't think it is. And I don't Christ came to die for those things. Okay, so allow him to forgive you those things, but don't get the mindset that they're not wrong because they are wrong. And that's why Jesus Christ came to give his life for us. So. Here's the other thing. People think sometimes we talk about these things in church and now God hates sex. God does not hate sex. For goodness sake, he created it. Right. He created it. He made it. He, He wants us to enjoy our lives. But like I said earlier, within the boundaries that he has created for us. And when we step outside of those boundaries, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. God designed a clear laid out Genesis. Go back and look at the book of Genesis. God designed marriage. And it's within the context of marriage that God designed sex. That's from Genesis to Revelation. Anyone tells you anything besides that, they are just... They are just conjuring things around. Well, I, I've read so much of these people. Well, he really didn't mean that. When he said this, he, what he really meant was, and, well, if you looked at the culture of the time, and blah, 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 that's all it is. White noise. It's completely wrong. God designed marriage. Within the context of marriage, God designed sex. And that is where we find the fulfillment of our desires in that area of our lives. Period. Period. Do we make mistakes? We certainly do. Do we always keep it in the context of our marriage? Nope, we don't. Do we have the wrong thoughts? Yup. Do we look at the wrong things? Yes, we do. But you know what? That's why we have one who goes to the, the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. When, I, when you or I make a mistake in that area, we ask God to forgive us through Jesus Christ. His blood covers us. When God sees us, He sees the Son, Jesus Christ, and we move on with our lives. We make mistakes and we move on. We say, I am the man, I am the woman. We take responsibility and we move on. We are not there walking guilt and shame and horror the whole time. But don't ever get to the point where you're thinking, ah, it's no big deal. That doesn't matter to God. It matters to God a lot it matters to God. God this really really matters to God, okay? This whole area we're talking about, the Bible talks about it so often. Jesus talks about it, the New Testament talks about it because it's so important. It is so important. Mar- the way God designed things is so important. That's why marriage is so important. And when you begin to try to redefine that whole concept, I want you to think this through. When you try to redefine that whole concept, that's where you may get yourself into a lot of trouble. Once you, once you redefine it, you personally, you personally determine a moral standard. Okay? So I've told you much of what the Word of God says. It says a lot more. So there is my moral standard. There is I don't I don't Jeff Greer doesn't have an opinion on this. That's my opinion. I hold to the opinion that the Bible lays out. Clearly, I stand on the Word of God. I am not I don't have an opinion outside of what the Word of God says in this in this context. What happens is even as believers, we do this. We say, Well, 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 the culture and it, p- culture kind of pushes you a little bit, and you say, "Well, this is okay. This is fine. Then, okay, all right, this is fine. We'll we'll just say this is okay now. So we've. Well, but look how close we are to this. But now we'll say this is fine." Now I ask you a question. Uh, I'll ask you a question. Uh, once you move off this, I would like you in your mind. I'm going to have the line go from here to the wall. This is the line, okay? You 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 have to you have to make a decision and draw a line on this hole here of where you think here's the word of God, and you think well, you know, I don't I'm, I don't really believe kind of what you're saying, so I'm going to stand over here. I I want to be a good person and I don't go around hurting other people with my sexuality or whatever else, so I'm going to stand right here, okay? So I have another question for you. Who are you, once you move from this point here, once you move from the word of God, that God said, boom, boom, boom. Now, Jeff says this. Oh, wait a second. Jeff Greer says this. That becomes my opinion, my own moral opinion. Okay. now, one of you wants to put your here is your opinion. Where you draw the line is over here. Here's your line. Who the heck are any of you to tell me or anyone else where they should draw the line? well, my line's so much closer. I don't care where you're so much closer to. It's far enough away. Who are you to tell me where I can draw my line? You have lost, you have lost the ability, okay, to, to, to tell someone else. If, if, it's not, if you're not saying the word of God says... Here's what God's word says, and he says it because he loves you. He wants to protect you. He wants a relationship with you. He has an abundant life for you. He has a purpose for you. If you move from here and say, well, this is my opinion of what I think we should do and not do whatever else. Who, who, what does is, what, what is my opinion matter of what we should and shouldn't do? That's my opinion. And the moment you've lost the ability to draw the line of any kind, whatever the popular culture decides is right, you now have to go along because you moved. You moved, okay? And once and now I'm telling you what's coming next is beyond your wildest dreams. You could never even imagine what they're going to pull next. But you know what? You moved. And so when they go all the way over here and wrap around the wall and come back and they're standing over there, all you can say is, gosh, I don't like that. You stand on the authority of the word of God, because once you move off the authority of the word of God, it's a slippery slope. It's going to slide down so fast. I thought it would be by the time I may be dead. It's coming long before that. It's coming long before that. We have been given clear instructions on how we should live our lives. We need to hold to the clear instructions on how we want to live our lives, because one you say, well, I think that's trashy. Well, you know what? A one person's trash is another person's pleasure. What one person can you consider a trashy well, they consider it, play. but one person's trash is another person's pleasures. God's God's word is clear. His commands are absolutely clear, but it's becoming. And I, this is where I just want to give everyone a big, giant hug and kind of sing kumbaya together, because It is it is becoming it's clear, but it's becoming so, so difficult to follow, especially in a culture that has given over itself completely to pleasure seeking and excess. It's excess. It really is. And it's and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But it's a command, my friends, that has a silver lining to it, because God is not going to ask us to do something that he's not going to give us the ability to do. God is not going to give us a command to do something that He's not going to give us the power to do. We have the power through Jesus Christ's resurrection to do the things that God is asking us to do. Imperfection? No. Are we going to be perfect? No. But we have the ability to live a life that is godly. And don't let anyone tell you that you make one. I love the culture. You say I, b- I believe these things are wrong, and then you step one iota out of perfection, and saying, "See, now you don't have a voice anymore." That's ridiculous. I'm allowed to I'm allowed to say something is wrong and then be and do the wrong thing and apologize for it and step back. Does that make sense? Don't get caught up and now that I've done something, I don't have a voice anymore. That's just silly. All right. No one is perfect. And what we're saying is God, Jesus Christ is perfect. God's word is perfect. I'm going to try to live that, but I'm not going to be able to live it out every single time. And when I don't, I ask for forgiveness because I've acknowledged that that behavior is wrong. And when I do it, I'm wrong. And I ask forgiveness for it. It doesn't make me a big, giant hypocrite who doesn't have a voice anymore. It means I made a mistake like every other human being. Proverbs seven gives us the path to success. So I want to share four things with you, one this morning, and three. Next week, I'm going to share four ways that we can stay on the path to purity, four ways that Proverbs gives us to stay on the path to purity. In Proverbs chapter seven, sexual immorality begins. If you want to be sexually pure, if you want to stay sexually pure, it begins with being a people of the word. That's number one, being a people of the word in verses one, chapter seven, verses one through five. It talks about it talks about tying it around your fingers and and, and, and writing it on the depths of your heart. What What is he talking about? Tying around your fingers and writing on the depths of your heart. He's talking about the Word of God. The Word of God. We need to, when it speaks to us, Word of God, speak. It needs to speak to us. We need to own it. It needs to be a part of us. It needs to permeate our entire existence. It needs to be who we are. We need to have. We need to write that on our hearts. So that's such a part of who we are that when the world comes crashing in on us, we have the ability to say, I know what the Word of God says. In Psalm one nineteen nine, the psalmist says something very similar. He says, What are uh, he says, What are let's see where one nineteen it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure? And the answer is by keeping your word. When Jesus prayed, when Jesus prayed for the welfare of his disciples that he was leaving behind because he was going to be with the Father, when he prayed in John 17:17, 17, 17, he says this to the Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We need to have the word of God completely permeate every area of our lives. We need to have it become a part of who we are. See, God's Word, God's Word sets us apart. It sanctifies us. God's Word allows us to live holy lives. We, are we perfect? Again, no, we are not. But we can try to live holy lives being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It allows us to walk in purity. It gives us the power to live our lives in purity. It gives us that power, that ability. And the sexual realm, it teaches us that fulfillment comes as we're in a committed married relationship. Now, the world will tell you what I just said is completely ludicrous. They will believe the complete opposite and they will bombard you. You will be bombarded with TV commercials. And I've seen some of the most amazing commercials on television. One of the recent one was there was a screen and people were behind it were two skeletons and they were doing their thing behind it. And then they came out and there was two the same people and they were doing their things in front of it. And then there was two other people and they came out and there were skeletons. Oh, look, it's two different people. And they were and it was like and then two smaller people. They came out and they went skipping away. It was like, oh, look. And they said, you know, love is love. It's all that matters. Love is love. Boy, I'll tell you what, man. I just was, I was I, honestly, it, the marketing was incredible. Was, and the world's going to tell you the complete opposite. They're going to tell you that my idea of having sex within the boundaries of marriage is completely ridiculous, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's completely wrong. And, and what they, the, the reality is, outside of the bounds of marriage, it is fun. It is freeing. It is fulfilling. Fun, freeing, fulfilling. And I, as a pastor, I'm sorry, I sit in my office and talk to so many people. And I ask the question, if it is so fun and freeing and fulfilling, then why is the majority of our culture lonely and depressed? Why is it that I looked the statistics up too, all these statistics. I want to make sure I wasn't saying that was wrong. Why is that on the rise? Why is alcohol abuse, especially among women, okay, women, are catching up to men in this area in droves. The statistics are going way up, and women are drinking alone. It's a, they, they're quiet about it. They're all they're not drinking. It's not they drink socially, but the the the, the, per, the percentage of women who are drinking alone. Why are they drinking alone? Because they're trying to anesthetize. They're trying to drown that depression and that loneliness and that sorrow that's in their hearts. If it's so fun and fulfilling and all these kinds of things, then why is drug abuse up? Not only not only illegal drugs, but prescription drugs to deal with all the, the discouragement and the depression and all these things that are going on in our lives. If it's so great, if it brings such fulfillment, if it fills that void in your heart to go clubbing, whatever. If, why? Why then are people so discouraged? And, you know, people will have a smile on their face. They come in my office. They don't have a smile on their face. Then don't, they don't, there's no smiles when, I, when I'm sitting down with people who are going through all these things that have given themselves over to people who've treated them like trash, like dirt. You're a, you're a, you're a princess. You're God's child. You're a princess of God. And someone's treating you like you're some kind of tramp. And then how I'm sorry that that's the way people are feeling inside. But you know what they say on TV and on the movies? Boy, it's fun. It's it's just fulfilling. It's just it's so freeing. They're marketing our morality. They are marketing our morality, and and, I, and I don't, I'll just say I'll say we are falling for so much of it. It's so easy to get pulled into that lie. It's so easy to be overwhelmed by the by the by the, the culture's onslaught. But listen, if we fill our minds and we fill our hearts with the word of God, then he will sanctify us and he will keep our way pure. David said in Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord, Lord, are pure words like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. See, when, when, when I immerse my mind in my heart in God's perfect Completely uh, life giving word, the relentless sounds of our culture are dulled. All those messages, if y- you are being with every magazine, every commercial, every Public service announcement every whatever you're being you're being pushed in a direction But the word of god that you 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 put you put deep into your heart and you allow it to permeate your mind In every part of your life that shuts down the relentless sound of this culture When it comes to this area of our lives those those loud voices begin to fade away see we 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 can can have the kind of life that God has called us to if we just give ourselves in obedience to Him and know His Word. If we know His Word, if we don't know His Word, we are on a slippery slope. If we put purity... In our lives if we allow the purity of his word to just permeate every part of our lives, we can accomplish this We can accomplish this god is not going to ask us to do something that he doesn't allow us to accomplish That he's not going to give us the power to do So we have to believe in his promises. We have to believe in his word. We have to believe in his truth and we need to hold on it with hold on to with everything that we have we need to regularly read, consistently read the word of God and let it permeate every part of our lives. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 as I close off here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. I want, I want, to, want, you to, leave, I want to leave you with this as we close out here. Do, not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? If you gave your life to Christ, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I want you to bow your heads with me. I know how difficult this subject is. And I know how much of a struggle it is. And I feel for all of you, especially the younger ones, because the pressure of this culture is overwhelming. No matter where you turn... It seems to be in your face. There seems to be the pull and the temptation no matter where we turn. And so God, I just want to pray for every single person here. As we close out and we take communion, I pray, dear God, that you would give strength to those who are struggling. Father, I pray that every single person here would know that because of what Jesus Christ, your son, has done on the cross, we can have forgiveness of our sins. We are not perfect. We are going to make mistakes. God, you know that. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to take our place. When you see us, you see him first. You see him. His blood covers us. So we can, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Falling short does not make you a hypocrite. Struggling does not make you a hypocrite. It makes you a person who is desiring to be more like Jesus Christ and working on it each and every day. And God, I hope I, I pray that you would help us work on it. That we would not leave here feeling shame or guilt or any of those things or condemnation. But Lord, that you convict our hearts and that we would come before you. We would lay these things before you each and every day and walk in a new and fresh life. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ and for his body which was given for us. That we can be called your children. We can be called a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. That we have the privilege now of entering into the holy of holies because of who you are and what you've given to us. Thank you that we can offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. You've purchased us at a price, Lord God, and we're going to do our best to be a people who are worthy of your name. So thank you for your body. Thank you for your your blood. We pray, dear God, as we take communion now, that you'd be with each one of us. If we need to confess something, that we confess it and that we would leave it in this place, that we would walk out of here free with true freedom, with true fulfillment, knowing that you have our lives in your hand, that you love us, Lord, even at our worst, even when we fail, even when we really mess up, you love us and you you put Christ in a position as our high priest to go before you that we could have forgiveness of sin through him. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians, and you can keep your your heads bowed. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse verse 23. And after I'm done reading, you can get up, you can go back, take some bread and the cup from the table in the back, You don't have to wait for anybody else. You can come back and sit down and you can eat of the bread and drink of the cup as the Holy Spirit leads you. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We thank you for this time that we can spend together. God, we pray that you would give us strength to try to live out the bold calling that we have in you. Our first love is Jesus Christ. And our goal is to become more like him. To be set apart. So that you can use us. To reach out to a lost and hurting world. We just pray, dear God, as we live our lives, that you give us the strength. To be open and honest with each other, Lord God, and to support each other, to to challenge each other within the body of Christ but also Lord in the world as we interact with people who would thoroughly disagree with anything I said this morning I pray that we would speak to those who disagree with a heart of love and compassion with respect Father that we would interact in such a way that would bring glory to your name that we would love people enough and care about them enough, Lord God, to share your truth, to share the love of your Jesus your Son Jesus Christ with all those who are who are in our sphere of influence. And God, I just pray that as we leave this place, that we would be refreshed in our spirits, that we would be motivated in our spirits and inspired to, to try our best to live like you, to go even deeper into the word to understand what it means to live a life of purity. And I pray, dear God, that you give us the strength to do it and that we would do it together, that we would just do life together, that we would support each other and encourage each other and inspire each other and motivate each other and just give each other all that we need to live lives that are honoring to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.